In a world where a man loves movies and loves lists and keeps a list of his 100 favorite movies for over 30 years, what if he made his wife watch those movies in order? And what if he made her talk about it on a podcast? Would she like them? Would she hate them? Can this marriage possibly survive this podcast? Find out what will happen in a world called Craig's List. Hey everyone, this is Craig's List. Thanks for listening. Uh, this is episode number seven, Say Anything. Um, this is Carla, actually. This isn't Craig. Craig has a much deeper voice. I'm actually not quite sure where Craig is. This is unusual, an unusual start to the podcast. Wait, Craig's walking across the room with a laptop. Carla, take me back. He has a laptop above his head. Take me back in the podcast, Carla. He's begging me to take him back. What is this, Craig Kakowski? <laughs> well, Carla, that's clearly an homage to the classic boombox scene from uh, Say Anything. That's our song. Right? That's not our song. What's our song? Do we have a song? Sure we do. Oh, our song is... But so long, you and me... (laughs) It's uh, I Want to Be Your Everything by Andy Gibbs? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Okay. That's a good song. Uh, It's a good song. I'm not sure if that's our song. And they played it at our wedding. Gene Villapique sang it. That's correct. Yeah. So... uh, the, that may well be our song, but In Your Eyes is definitely Lloyd Dobler and Diane Court's song. It sure is. I uh, know that because I just watched a movie, Say Anything. <laughs> Say Anything, dot, dot, dot. Yeah. I think there's three ellipses there. Did they ever say anything? <laughs> I mean, like. They said a lot of things but like, in the movie. But do they literally say, hey, Diane, say anything? No. With the say anything, oddly enough, and we'll get into this more, refers to the relationship between Diane and her dad. Oh, you can say anything. You can say anything to me. Weird. I did not catch that at all when we were watching. And they say it like several times. They do say it a few times. Yeah. You didn't uh, connect it to the title of the movie? Did not. Yeah, it's strange. You would think that it has something to do with Lloyd and Diane, but it's really about Jim and Diane. Weird. It's yeah. a love story between a father and a daughter. It kind of is. We'll get into that a little bit. Uh, hey guys, thanks so much for tuning into Craigslist this week. Let's cover some, uh, some business before we get into talking about the movie. Okay. You guys may have noticed we have a new theme song. It we was sure do. as of last week's episode, but, yeah. uh, but we had already recorded the, uh, the podcast that week. It's uh, our friend John Dinerstein. Hi, John. Uh, composed that for us, and we think it's absolutely wonderful, and uh, it's uh, an exchange for uh, services to be performed to be performed later. <laughs> <laughs> what? I didn't know about that. We're buying him dinner. Uh, <laughs> John, of course, is the longtime piano player for the Thrilling Adventure Hour, and yep. uh, thanks so much for uh, composing that. Very nice of him to do that. And, uh, you know, we recorded the first couple episodes before we even had like a listening public. So of like now we're like out there, we're, we're conscious of how much <laughs> Craig's list <laughs> is blowing up. Uh, so thanks so much for, uh, for listening to the podcast. You know, we're, we're on Twitter at Craig's list PCAST. 
Just to confuse you guys a little Just bit. Just to confuse you guys. I guess Craigslist podcast is too long. Oh. Too long to be a Twitter handle. So I too, took uh, two letters out. If you ever have any questions uh, or any observations, uh, I would say recommend some movies. But the movie list is already set. Yeah. I've got the 100 movies. Well, that doesn't mean that like – because you've been tweeting lately about new movies that you've been seeing <laughs> and what you think of them. So they could tweet at you and say, hey, I saw this movie and recommend it to you. Absolutely. Like let us know what what you're watching. What What's making your list yeah. these days? And of course, uh, any thoughts on the podcast, we'd love to hear from you, uh, on Twitter. I'm just saying you're opening a, a window there. <laughs> Is that the right way to say that? I'm opening a window. You're opening a door. Fly in, birds. <laughs> you're opening the <laughs> oven door. Come on in. Oh, <laughs> Stick boy. your head in the oven. The second you start to ask people what they think, they're going to tell you. Well, that's, I'm asking. And then <laughs> when I ask okay. you to stop telling me what you think, you'll know. Okay. So. That concludes the business this week. And I guess I one li- other little piece of business or just uh, feedback that we've been getting mm-hmm. is uh, people want to know, I guess, uh, why what, – what, what you tell me. What- well, I've just heard a few people um, mention in a, in a nice way where they've enjoyed the podcast, but they sometimes are left uh, wondering why you have movies in certain spots above others. Like what is the criteria for where they fall in the list? And my response has been like – I think it's just a feeling that he has. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah. The criteria? Yeah. Let's call it the criteria. Oh, boy. Uh, you can call it that. Okay. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it literally is me saying, I think this movie is slightly better than this movie. I, you know, I love this movie more. You okay. Know? So there, there's no uh, objective Like things. checklist. No, that I'm measuring it against. Right. Yeah. I guess uh, we'll just try to make a more of an effort each time to explain the feeling that you have about it, and 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 yeah, maybe even talk about why it's one below or above the previous one. <laughs> did I? Did you? Everybody just fall asleep when I was talking. Well, I think one thing we will do is we'll maybe cover a little more my first time. Oh, the first time you watched it. First time watching the movie. So. Let's begin with a little segment we call Craig's First Time. Okay, great. (laughs) So, Craig, when was the first time you ever watched Say Anything? 1989. Uh Another summer. Sound of the Funky Drummer. Uh, What is that? (laughs) That's uh, that's Fight the Power by Public Enemy. Oh. Um, Which begins with 1989. Uh, Yeah, I saw this movie when it came out, the weekend it came out, and I bet it was... May. I'm going to guess it was early May of 1989 because I was on beach week with my college friends. Uh, we were, we were down in Nags Head, North Carolina. Wow. And, uh, it was the entire theater department of William and Mary. I would have been a sophomore at the time. So I, I went to Benny. Benny, you're ruining the podcast. <laughs> Go eat your bully stick. <laughs> Go eat it. Okay. <laughs> We, we give Benny a bully stick while we record so he will shut up. Yeah. Uh, but you just heard him shaking out his harness there. Uh, yeah, I, I went to the next head three straight years with, uh, my theater group, uh, from college. Did you, was the, did the theater group have a name? No, it was just all the people who were like theater majors and everything. And okay. so we would rent a beach house every year. This was the That's first so year I went. Yeah. You guys was, must have had a lot of money. 
No. I mean, when you have 20 people sharing a house, it's not that much uh, individual money. Yeah. Uh, I see. You're also not supposed to have that many people in the house. Right. And uh, they're not supposed to rent to under 21. So I think we would usually send a front man. You know, uh-huh. somebody who looked your dad, o- yeah, not my dad, but somebody who looked <laughs> older and responsible to rent the house for the weekend. Uh, and there was like one little movie theater there in uh, Nags Head, the beach town. And uh, I remember seeing this movie with about 20 friends and we all loved it. Awesome. Uh, it could not have uh, been truer to the era of the time. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, Lloyd and Diane just felt like people that we knew mm-hmm. and they felt very familiar to us. And then this movie was big for the rest of my college years. Like definitely like everybody I knew got it on VHS, the mm-hmm. standard at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, as soon as it came out, I remember listening to the soundtrack at parties, I remember uh, everybody quoting this movie endlessly. So it's kind of a movie that I immediately had a connection with and uh, affection for. Cool. Well, the first time that I saw this movie. Oh, here we go. I think I was Carla's in high school. Carla's first time. I think I was in high school because in 89, I was nine years old. And I I missed some movies. Oh, so this is going to sound strange, but there was – I guess because I was nine, I was either watching like kids stuff or stuff that my parents was watching, mm-hmm. were watching. And so this probably. Did you watch some movies that were like inappropriate? Oh, totally. At, at that time. What yeah. were some of those movies? Well, uh, Coming to America was like one of my favorite movies. <laughs> sure. And we recently watched it and it is. It's pretty, dirty. It's, it's kind of a hard R. <laughs> That's the first one that comes to mind. A lot of boobs. A lot of boobs. A lot of boobs. Um, yeah, so stuff that my parent that would be the genre of things that my parents were watching okay. and that I liked. So, but I missed a lot of like I missed a lot of um what's his name? John Hughes movies. Yeah. Because my parents didn't watch those and I was too young to know that they existed. Um so I had to catch up with all those in high school. And so this to me even though it's not a John Hughes movie falls in that genre. Yeah, it's very much in that genre. There's a thing I think in the first scene when they're talking about him taking out Diane where the girls say, brains stay with brains. Right, right. <laughs> and that feels like totally like a John Hughes yeah. thing of like the different social cliques, like each uh, staying separate. Totally. Yeah. So my best friend Angie loved this movie and we watched it together in high school and I did not connect to it. Hmm. I thought it was okay. Okay. I think at the time it felt like the 80s <laughs> and I was watching it in the late 90s. So. Okay. And you were just over the 80s. Yeah. Well, it felt... Yeah, it felt dated in a weird way, probably. Or maybe I just didn't like them. I don't know. But then years later, I rewatched it again. And I, as I got older, I could appreciate it more. Yeah. If you've not seen this movie, uh, please go see it now. Yeah. Uh, we, I think we can stop saying that at every, on every podcast. <laughs> I hope that's assumed at this point. No, it's trademark. So I've got to get it in there at some okay. point. Okay. <laughs> Um, this is the story of, uh, two recent high school grads, Lloyd Dobler, uh, who's, uh, he's kind of a aimless guy. He wants to be a kickboxer. He's played by John Cusack and, uh, Diane Court, who's the valedictorian. And, uh, they don't really, they didn't really know each other in school, but, uh, but he decides to ask her out right after they graduate and a, a budding romance starts. Uh, but Diane is a promising student and she's going to be studying abroad in, uh, England. England. And, uh, her dad, 
Uh, she lives with her dad. He runs an old folks home and, uh, they've got a complicated relationship, but, uh, but they're best friends. Mm-hmm. And that's, uh, kind of the, it's these three characters, uh, Lloyd, Diane, and her dad played by John Mahoney. Now this was his first big role, wasn't it? John Mahoney, uh, he had certainly been in some things. Uh, he was in Moonstruck. Oh, right. Um, he, he was, didn't uh, he start acting late in life though? He did. Yeah. I think he was like an ad exec in Chicago and then he started doing stuff at, uh, Steppenwolf theater. Okay. And so I think he started like in his mid forties maybe. So he's super old now. He's super old now. I saw him in a play when I was in college, uh, long day's journey into night. Really? Yeah. Wow. Playing the den? Yeah. Sheldon Patinkin directed that. Wow. In Chicago? Uh Uh-huh. At Steppenwolf? Yep. Wow. I wish I had seen that. I've never seen John Mahoney live on stage, though I did watch. In college, we watched the uh, House of Blue Leaves production that he did that they aired on PBS Mm -hmm. with Ben Stiller and uh, Swoozy Kurtz. (laughs) Swoozy. And uh, Christine Baranski, I think, Mm. was in it uh, because we did House of Blue Leaves at our college and uh, used to love John Mahoney's performance as Artie. Do you say John Guare or John Guar? John Guar. John Guar. I don't know if that's correct. <laughs> I've always said John Guare, but I never knew if that was right or not. This oh. we're talking about the playwright. Yeah, of talking about the playwright. Yeah. yeah, John Guar. I say okay. like the like the band Guar. I'm gonna start saying it like you say it because you're usually right about these things. Well, I don't know. I've never thought that it. Could I mean, be John I have lots of opportunities to say John Guar, <laughs> so I'll test it out. Let you guys, you guys all know how it goes. Okay, cool. Uh, no, John Mahoney had also been in Ten Men, uh, which is, uh, the second of Barry Levinson's Baltimore movies. Did you say Ten Men? Ten, Ten Men. Ten Men. Ten Men. Never heard of it. Uh, it's about guys who sell aluminum ten. siding for a living. So they're Ten Men. Okay. Uh, that's with, uh, Richard Dreyfus and Danny DeVito. Okay. And, uh, John Mahoney is, uh, I think he's Dreyfus's partner. Okay. In the movie. His life partner? Not his life partner. His coworker. His coworker. Okay. <laughs> End of John Mahoney tangent. Yay. <laughs> this concludes a regular segment we do called <laughs> John, John Mahoney, Mahoney tangent. <laughs> John Cusack. Yes. Another John to talk about is, uh, I think, I, I think I described him in setting up this movie last week as the voice of my generation. <laughs> Yeah. Like, I don't know if I go like that Lena far. Like Lena Dunham. Sure. Of the oh, 80s. Oh, yeah. He was the Lena Dunham of the 80s. <laughs> Please go with that analogy for a while. <laughs> Is Lena Dunham the voice of your generation? No. Yeah. She's a lot younger than I am. Yeah. Who's the voice of your generation? Jeez. Probably Winona Ryder. Winona Ryder? Maybe she's a little she's too old. She's my age. Yeah. Is she? Um, I feel so much pressure. <laughs> I have to think about it. Okay. Um, again, like-, like I was right at the end. I don't know why I just said again. I've never said this to you, but like I was right at the end. I think I was considered generation Y. Why? Which never really had an identity. <laughs> uh, like I was born in 80. So yeah. X ended in the seventies, right? Well, yeah. Gen X when they were born. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm total Gen X all the way, baby. And I'm not a millennial, so. Yeah, yeah you're Generation Y. It's so like who a, was like the rom-com heroine that was like your geez. voice then? I don't know. like Julia Roberts. Uh, gosh. 
Julia Roberts, I guess, but she's older than I am too. Certainly. Um, oh my God, there's so much pressure right now. <laughs> Rachel McAdams. No, she came later though. Okay. So in the nineties it was, oh, it was probably like, oh, what was his name? Freddie Prince Jr. <laughs> like Sarah Michelle Geller. Okay. Buffy. Yeah. But which I didn't watch until years later though. Okay. I think we've solved it definitively. <laughs> voice of your generation is Freddie Prince Jr. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, for You're me, you're welcome. <laughs> it felt like there was always a movie uh, where John Cusack was just the Jennifer guy. Love Hewitt. Sorry, okay, keep going. J Lo Hewitt didn't connect with her though, but probably that would be okay. My era. Okay, sure. sorry. John Cusack was the guy. Yeah, if you look at the Sure Thing, Better Off Dead, uh, Stand by Me, he's the perfect. Uh, dead brother. The, he's mm-hmm. the dead brother we all wanted to have. Right. Uh, eight men out. Uh, I s- say totally anything. Totally forgot he was in Stand by Me. Yeah, he's the yeah. He's the dead brother. Absolutely. Of uh, Will Wheaton's uh, older brother, right? Yeah. So he's older than Will Wheaton. Will Wheaton seems so old to me. Yeah, Cusack would be a few years older than me. I'm going to guess he's four or five years older than me. Oh, so really? He's always playing a little, a little younger, a little younger. Cause Copy I think that say anything. He's supposed to be 18. I'm guessing, but, or no, he says I'm 19. I've been overseas a couple semesters. Now I'm back. Okay. <laughs> been to kickboxing. Ever heard of kickboxing? Sport of the future. Don the dragon Wilson, Benny the Jeter Kita, some of the champions of the sport. I can see by your face. No. Uh, <laughs> when did you memorize that? I memorized that in 1989 when oh, the movie came wow. out. Yeah, so uh, he's got that nervous, uh, fast-talking thing. Yeah. Uh, and then High Fidelity, you know, to me is another movie where, I love like, that movie. this this guy is uh, he's thirty something, living in Chicago. He makes lists. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> mul- multiple people gave me the book High Fidelity uh, when nobody knew what it was. Kelly Leonard at Second City gave it to me as my Christmas present Aww. one year. Uh, because he, you know, it, it was this book from England, you know, by Nick Hornsby. Yeah. And, uh, he just knew that I would identify with this guy and it's all about him making music lists and running a indie record store and, right. you know, and I, uh, I was not in a relationship around the time that High Fidelity came out, but I was like juggling, you know, I wasn't juggling. Women? I was Juggle- not- Is were you about to say women? I, I was-, was juggling women? No, I was ju- <laughs> <laughs> I was not juggling women. I was trying to date a bunch of women at the time, uh-huh. you know. So I think the the confluence of uh it being well the movie being set in Chicago, mm-hmm. uh the books in London. Um Chicago, Cusack, I was in Chicago at the time, Relationships right. List, like that was another movie that was kind of like a perfect storm for me, though it's not on the list. So this is, uh, yeah, so, okay, I have a couple thoughts real quick. Yes, please. Just to explain, you're still, you're still riffing on the idea of being connected to John Cusack and how yeah. you guys have parallel lives to movie lives. Sure. Okay. Uh, but when I asked you, when I found out we were doing Say Anything and I said, oh, it's High Fidelity on the list. And you said, no, Say Anything's on the list. Now explain that to me. Why does it have to be one or the other? It doesn't have to be one or the other. Uh, high Fidelity just comes up a little short for me. I think that's wrong. I think yeah. High Fidelity is a better movie than high Say Fidel- Anything. We'll get into this a little later, but I think you might be right. Oh, <laughs> okay. I think you might be right. Because we I- recently watched High Fidelity, or I did. 
I watched bits and pieces as you were uh, watching like it. I love high ago. fidelity. I yeah. love high fidelity. Uh, I still think it's maybe a little short of making the top 100. Really? Yeah. Um, did you audition for High Fidelity in Chicago? No, but my friend Rich Tallarico from Dasariski is in it. I know. He's one of the record store patrons. The, the Jack Black is selling to him. Yeah. So when I was in college, I would go to Second City and I watched Rich Tallarico <laughs> and Craig Kakowski on the main stage. So I knew who they were, even though Craig didn't know who I was. And when I saw Rich in this movie, I was like, oh, my God, that's the guy from Second City. You know who else we know who is in High Fidelity? Me. You. You were. <laughs> <laughs> Carla is an extra in second. High Fidelity. I'm an extra. That was the first time I ever did extra work. Okay, you guys, since we're never going to get to talk about High Fidelity, let me tell you my High Fidelity <laughs> stories real quick. So. And you had a scene with John Cusack. Yeah, I was supposed Kinda. to. So, okay, if you watch the movie, I'm in the high school scene where he's making out with a blonde girl in the basement, and I'm sitting right next to him and her making out with a guy. And I signed up to do it with my boyfriend at the time, and at the last minute, he got a job because he was a cinematographer, and so he got a job, so he couldn't do it. So he asked his roommate to do it because I threw a fit, and I was like, I'm still going to do this because I want to be in a movie. So (laughs) we wake up early the next morning. It's like six o'clock in the morning to go and I'm running a fever and I had the worst flu, like just uh, woke up with the flu. It was crazy. We get to set and they make us sit right next to John Cusack. Benny's freaking out right now. Uh, they make us sit right next to John Cusack because he likes this story so much. Benny, um, our dog. Uh, and I'm like sneezing and coughing and it's disgusting. And I'm having to make out with this guy that I, that is my <laughs> boyfriend's roommate. After the scene was over, we were leaving and John Cusack and I were, for whatever reason, the last people to walk out. And he turned to me and I was like, hi, I'm Carla. Nice to meet you. And he just nodded at me and kept walking. <laughs> what the fuck? So he was a real cold fish. Can you believe that? You know, he was concentrating on his performance. No, he and- wasn't. He was joking around the whole time. Uh-huh. He kept making jokes the whole time. He was like totally flirting with the girl he was making out with, real friendly to everyone else. I'll never forget it. Why do you think he was so cold to you? Because I was snotty. <laughs> like literally. Like I had snot running out of my nose. <laughs> you didn't want to catch a cold? <laughs> I once uh, had a commercial uh, where I had to do repeatedly do a spit take. Um, with John Cusack? Not with John Cusack. It was a Toyota commercial and it was like, I'm a car buyer and I'm in a scene with a car salesman and he tells me how good the deal is while I'm drinking a glass of water and I do a spit take right in the guy's face. Well, right the night before we're shooting the commercial, I get a terrible cold. Oh. And, but you know, this is like a national commercial and I'm going to make some money on it. There's no way I'm backing out of it. Uh, so I'm sure that guy got sick right after we did the commercial because I spit in his face like 20 times. Yeah. The, my boyfriend's roommate got super (laughs) sick because I was giving him my tongue, my fever tongue. (laughs) (laughs) That's a, (laughs) that's a song from, uh, Almost Famous, right? Give me your fever tongue. (laughs) (laughs) Give me your fever tongue. Yeah. No, I'm thinking fever dog. Uh, Almost famous, also not on your list. No, also not on my Which list. Which is crazy. That is such a better movie than Say Anything. It might be a better movie than Say Anything. If, if your criteria has anything to do with directors, this is Almost Famous is a better movie than Say Anything. Yeah, we'll talk a little more about that since that's uh, also a Cameron Crowe yeah. film. Um, 
But I, I do love Cusack in this movie, and I love Ione Sky in this movie. Yeah, she's too. sweet. Like, I think she could not be cuter, and she could not be more like the girl that I would have loved to date at the time. Yeah. And they are so cute and sweet together. When I was younger, people said that I reminded them of Ione Sky. So, baby, you ended up with an Ione. Oh, I got a way better than an Ione. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Ione ended up marrying uh, Ad-Rock from the Beastie Boys. Yeah. Though that didn't take. I saw her a few years ago. Where'd you see her? Uh, she did the L.A. Christmas Parade. Okay, so maybe this was like six years ago because I was catering the event. And uh, she still is gorgeous. Yeah. Like, uh, in this movie, she's really cute. And you could say, yeah, she's beautiful, but she's you, you wouldn't think of her as like a model necessarily. But in real life, she looks like a model. She wow. probably was a model, right? Or no? I don't know. She was uh, she was a teen actress. She, mm-hmm. uh, she started out in uh, River's Edge. She was in the movie River's Edge with Keanu Reeves and Dennis Hopper. Okay. Crispin Glover. <laughs> <laughs> Crispin Glover. And uh, and she, I think she is the age that uh, that uh, Diane is in this movie. I think she was eighteen when she made this movie. Wow. Yeah, she's great. So she's a little younger than uh, Cusack. Yeah, I think when I saw – me and my friends saw this movie at the time, uh, it was just felt like this is, the, this is a movie that gets us. Mm-hmm. You know, the Cameron Crowe had his finger on the pulse of the way that teens talked and acted mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, at that time. Watching it now in 2016, it feels like a little time capsule into 1989. And there's so many things that just kind of like take me back to that era. Uh, first of all, their graduation gowns, the exact same color and gown that I had. What? Uh, Mind blown. Yeah. So <laughs> when they're getting their graduation pictures taken, it, it reminds me of my high school graduation because I looked exactly like that in, mm-hmm. that in that same cap and gown. When he's driving around and uh, there's some music playing on the soundtrack and you hear it start to warp. Uh-huh. And then he like sticks like a, a little thing into the cassette player to oh, fix yeah. the cassette. Like that just took me back to like that era of like listening to cassette tapes yeah. in the car and they can warp and go bad. Right, right. <laughs> um, just getting tangled up in a phone cord while making <laughs> – <laughs> and just the – He's got a couple of phone calls. He's got the phone call to uh, to the dad, you know, when he's uh, trying to get uh, permission to take her out. He's got the phone call to Diane. It just remind me of like having to carry around that entire fucking phone. Yeah. Uh, carrying it around the room while twirling the cord. Do you know people still have home <clears throat> lines? Who? Who does that? People. I just had a conversation with somebody recently about this and I was making fun of it or fun of the idea and everybody that I was standing around talking with was like, no, I still have a home line. What if there's an emergency is what they said to me. And the the cell, cell towers go down and they were right. What if we don't have a home line? Yeah, I think I got rid of my landline about 10 years ago. It was probably the last time that I had one. I guess that's what it's called, a landline. And <laughs> <laughs> it's your home line okay. too. Yeah. yeah, I haven't had one since like 2002. Wow. Yeah, I th- I would say ar- around 2006 was when I got rid of mine and I felt like for like 6 months the only calls I got on it were telemarketing calls. Yeah. And that's why I wanted to get rid of it. But yeah, when the apocalypse comes, uh we're not going to be making uh, any calls on our cell phones. Right. <laughs> Should we get into a little Carlos quotes? Oh, sure. Let's do it. I'm ready. Throw uh, them at me. 
These are things, actual things that Carla said while watching the movie. Can you do it like Morgan Freeman? Say anything. Just that part. These are the things. These are the things that Carla said <laughs> over the course of the movie. Say anything. It's so good. Go ahead. <laughs> At the beginning of the movie when they have the graduation ceremony uh, and uh, Joe, who is uh, Lily Taylor. Joe lies <laughs> when he cries. Lily Taylor plays uh, Cusack's friend in it. By the way. Uh, she's wonderful. Yeah, she's amazing. She's always been one of my favorite actresses. This is probably the first thing I remember seeing her in. Mm-hmm. But, you know, she's a Mystic real. Mystic Pizza. Oh, sure. Yeah. Mystic Pizza was before this. Uh, I don't know that I've really seen that. I think I've seen you seeing it <laughs> in <laughs> your that. head. It's constantly playing in your head. Yeah. Um, go ahead. <clears throat> uh, but Cusack's friends in this movie are played by his real life friends, Jeremy Piven and uh, Lily Taylor, who grew right. up with, in, with Cusack and Evanston and his sister played by his real sister. So I think there's a certain like authenticity mm-hmm. to that. Uh, but Joe is the guy that she's, uh, hung up on and he's singing, uh, the greatest love at all in the, uh, graduation ceremony. Oh yeah. Greatest love of all. Oh, that's him. Yeah. That's Joe. Oh, right. Of course. <clears throat> and, uh, and you said, who gave this kid the mic? They're going to lose their job. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's screaming the greatest love of all on stage. After she does her graduation speech. Uh, which Ioni Sky. Ioni Sky, Diane Court, uh, which she sure is going to go over well, and it doesn't. All I can say is, go back. And uh, <laughs> there's one little laugh from her dad in the audience. Ah! Uh, nobody else laughs. Nobody else laughs. And you said, what a bummer that speech was. <laughs> <clears throat> when we go to uh, Lloyd's house, reveal his sister, played by John C- Joan Cusack, also played by John Cusack in a dual role. No, oh played by God, Joan Cusack. Joan Cusack is John Cusack. It all makes so much sense. <laughs> you said she was always a 40-year-old woman, huh? She was. She always was like... A middle-aged woman. She was probably more like 32, 33, I would guess. Really? When this movie she's that was much shot. older than him? She's like 10 years older than him? Maybe. Maybe she's even younger than Maybe she's more like late 20s. Yeah. We'll have to look it up. Uh, Jim Court gives uh, his daughter a graduation present. You said, that's an old lady's ring. Oh, because... It literally is an old lady's ring. Well, he steals from his... the He works at a retirement home. Yeah. And uh, he steals from his clients, and so he gives her presents, and they they're from he's the, from the money that he's stolen from the old people. That's right. So when you said that's an old lady's ring, it's because you've seen the movie before, right? I wasn't saying that her <laughs> ring looked like an old lady's ring. I was saying like that literally <clears throat> is probably a ring that he stole out of somebody's jewelry box at the retirement home. Yeah. Uh, you said I've seen this movie enough before that I can chat for a while during it. <laughs> <laughs> this was probably the one that I've seen the most out of everything we've watched so far. Really? I've How probably, many times do you think you've seen it? I've probably seen it three times. <clears throat> the scene where uh, Lloyd is uh, in the bathroom calling for Diane, uh, you said, I wonder where that shower curtain is now. <laughs> <laughs> Does this tie into your uh, worrying about landfills Yeah, from the uh, Dog Day Afternoon episode? Sometimes when I – I think we said this already, but when I watch old movies, I wonder where all of this stuff went. <laughs> And specifically the shower curtain. Well, just the plastic stuff mostly. Okay. It's in a landfill somewhere. It hasn't broken down yet. Right? Because plastic takes hundreds of years. Let's not bum out our listeners. I'm just being real. It's true. Here's Carla and John Mahoney. You know he's a good actor when there's no one on the other end of the phone and it totally seems like he's making a phone call. (laughs) (laughs) 
Well, yeah, because he was talking to... John Cusack, Lloyd Dobler. Oh, oh no, no. It's no. when he gets a call about From the IRS. Her. Oh, no, yeah. From Oh, when he gets the call that his daughter got the scholarship to That's wherever. That's right. Uh, it's just a shot on him talking on the phone. And it's so, like, from an actor or anybody, maybe even just from whoever. Maybe you don't have to be an actor to recognize this. But he's clearly not talking to anyone, like, in real life. Right. But he is so good. He's, like, reacting to silence with his eyebrows. <laughs> <laughs> Acting 101. Acting with eyebrows. React to silence with eyebrows. (laughs) Though apparently when uh, Lloyd calls his sister later in the movie that uh, John and Joan Cusack were really talking over the phone. Mm. So sometimes – Well, I wasn't talking about John Cusack. Right. He needs needs to have that other person on the other side of the line. Mahoney doesn't need that. No, because he's a good actor. Yeah. He's a real Bob Newhart. (laughs) Um, Bob Newhart, of course, famous for his – Phone call bits in his stand-up act. I didn't know that. I was just laughing because it was so specific. <laughs> uh, when Jason Gould is revealed at the party, you said, Barbara Streisand's son. <laughs> I was so excited. He basically did two movies in his life, which is this and The Prince, Prince of, of Tides. Tides. Yeah. And then that's pretty much it. That was the uh, – Two the very end. different roles. Two very different roles. Did, did he, he literally played his mother's son in that movie though, right? Yeah. But he was like a a violin player who then becomes a football player. Yes, that's right. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I'm I've not... seen Prince of Tides. Don't you worry. Okay. Top 100 for you? I don't know. I'd have to watch it again. It's been a while. Uh, it's been a long time since I've seen that. I forgot that he's a football player. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, Chris O'Donnell was originally cast in that ro- role. Uh-huh. And then Pat Conroy, who was the author, was like, this guy's too tough. <laughs> And she's, she showed him tape of another actor and it was her son, but she didn't tell him it was her oh, son. And he was like, that's the guy. That's oh, the guy. Really? That's the story that I read. That's like the Tory Spelling 90210 audition, right. right? Nobody knew she was Aaron Spelling's daughter. Right. Sure. Sure you didn't. Uh, when Ione Sky smiles, she said, her smile smile is a giant smile. And then he talked to our cat. Isn't that right, Monksy? She's got a giant mouth. <laughs> You just said so many gibberish words that nobody's going to understand. No, but you you said this. What did I say? I'm just a quoting. smile, smile, you said smile, her, smile, smile. You said her smile, smile is a giant smile. Because <laughs> she has the We're, biggest smile sure. ever. Like her smile. A very toothy smile. Her smile looks like it's smiling at itself. <laughs> <laughs> Go watch it, you guys. Giant smile. Lots of gum. <laughs> when when they run into Joe at the party uh, and he's with uh, China Phillips, who we've previously referred to. Oh, yeah. Uh, China Phillips is his date. Uh, she says, uh, Joe, I'll be in the kitchen. And you said, hold on for one more day and I'll be in the kitchen. <laughs> hold on for one more day. Nice little uh, Wilson Phillips reference Break there. Oh, this is Carla also predicting the end of the movie when they see the jukebox or when Lloyd's asking about the jukebox, you say, that's old people money that bought that. (laughs) (laughs) When they tell the story about uh, her getting kicked off the plane uh, for screaming, right? you said, oh man, pre 9-11 comedy. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, it's like this hilarious dinner story that they're telling about the time that the first time, the only time Ayanuska has been on a plane and she started screaming and freaking out and how they just kind of let her. Oh, he tur- he said, I want you to turn this plane around right now. And they did. That's according right. According to his story. They turned the plane around <laughs> and landed it so she could get off. What would happen now? Uh, they would be arrested. <laughs> They'd still turn the plane around. Or maybe not. I don't think they They'd would. They'd go to their destination yeah. and arrest them They'd there. arrest them in yeah, air. Yeah, the air marshal yeah. would tackle them. Totally. Yeah, there weren't air marshals back it then. It is a different world. Guys, it's a different world. Uh, <laughs> also made in the 80s. <laughs> Anytime I've tried to have sex in the in a car, it's the worst. What? <laughs> you said it. Oh, because it is. <laughs> because they have this steamy love scene in sure. the car where they just had sex. And let's be real for a second. Sex in a car is not enjoyable. That was a thing for many years, though. That was the place to get away. I, I mean, I get it when you're a kid, when when you're like a teenager. Sure. Like you, ha- but still, it's not <laughs> all that the movies crack it up to be. <laughs> crack it up? What? When the movie the movies crack it up to be. Uh, <laughs> When she breaks up with him and gives him the pen that her dad uh, said to give him. Oh, yeah. Uh, and she said she would never do that in a million years. But she does it anyway. Carla said, you said you would never do that, you liar, you lying woman. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're almost done with these. This is the music of a heartache. I don't know if you're referring to In Your Eyes. Oh, yeah. It is. It's very moving, that song. You know what Cameron Crowe movie I also like? What's that? Vanilla Sky. Vanilla Sky. Not many people like that movie. Uh, a remake of the Spanish movie Abre los Ojos. <laughs> what is it? How do you pronounce it? Abre los Ojos. Open your eyes. Uh, I just rewatched Open Your Eyes recently. I would like to go and see a Vanilla Sky again. I like Tom Cruise so much. I don't know if I have a Tom Cruise movie on the list. Jerry Maguire anywhere. is the number That's one. That's another Cameron Crowe movie. Oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> How did I not think of that? I love that movie. Yeah. Yeah, Cruise and Crowe. Cruise and Crowe, man. Cruise and Crowe working together. Uh, I'm trying to remember what you're <laughs> what did I say? referring. You said a little over the top, meaning I'm over her blouse. Oh, oh, because <laughs> cause she was wearing a crazy blouse. <laughs> and I said that top is a little over the top, meaning I'm over her blouse. I love the final scene of this movie, which is uh, them on the plane together going to England, and they're waiting, you know, because she has anxiety about flying. They're waiting for the, you know, seatbelt sign to oh, uh, yeah. to go oh, off. Good. They're waiting yeah. for the ding. They're waiting for the ding, uh, and he's keeping her calm. He's taking care of her. And then at, right as it rolls to black, you hear the ding. And Carla said, oh, Cameron, you're such a hopeful guy. <laughs> <laughs> well, because – so J- John Cusack sets it up like when the ding goes off, everything's going to be okay. That's what he says, right? Yeah. And so it goes to black and you hear ding, like everything was going to be okay. Now, if that had been done by a different director, we would have never gotten a ding, I don't You'd think. You'd leave it ambiguous. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of directors would do that. I think yeah. I would do that. But yeah, <laughs> when Carla directs her movie, she's going to leave out the ding. Yeah. Yeah. So this, uh, the ending of this movie reminds me a lot of the end of The Graduate. Sure. Yeah. Because they're both just like in the frame 
looking like what's going to happen next. Yeah. Where do they go now? Yeah. Uh, the end of the graduate is one of my favorite endings of all time in any movie. Of course. Yeah. But but it's It's a different vibe. It's similar to say anything, but it's totally different because of the ding, because you know that they're (laughs) going to be okay. Cause Cameron Crowe tells you, but at the end of the graduate, Mike Nichols is like, they look like they're not going to be okay. (laughs) Yeah. I, in my uh, movie club, I have a movie club with a bunch of other nerdy guys where we we all watch. It's like a book club where we all watch the movie separately. And we it's get a good together. group of guys too. Yeah, I'm actually not supposed to talk about movie clubs, so I might edit that part out, but uh, or oh boy. or bleep parts of it out. Uh, but we watched the movie Manhattan, mm-hmm. um, the Woody Allen movie, which will possibly be coming up later okay much later on this podcast oh boy can't wait to see that movie again and one of the uh topics of conversation was uh are they still together at the end of the movie because there's another thing where it ends up oh with, right with, yeah uh, a couple getting together well they're not because she's 12 <laughs> she's not 12 <laughs> different type of movie yeah um <laughs> She's not 12. She's uh, 15. No. She's older than that. She's 17, She's 17 and a half. She's 17 in the movie, yeah. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Did I just ruin everything? Not at all. Uh, but we talked about, like, do do they stay together? Right. And I think that's an immaterial question for a movie because these are not real people. These are well, yeah. <laughs> these are fictional characters. But what matters is how we feel at the end of the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but there, there are so many movies that end with either the happily ever after moment or the well, what's the future of this thing uh, moment. But I think it's whatever feeling that we, the viewer, has that that's important. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Do we feel hopeful? Yeah, <laughs> you know, gotcha. Uh, but you feel like Lloyd and Diane. Well, and I don't disagree with what you just said, but you've also just spent two plus hours with these characters in these movies. And so to wonder if they end up together seems like a natural feeling to have. Sure. Um, yeah, I think Lloyd and Diane stay together for at least a couple years <laughs> <laughs> until she meets a big time business guy who like speaks three different languages and yeah how far is this kickboxing really gonna go not very far (laughs) that is a sweet moment though when he's talking about how he wants to be with her for a living yeah i mean it's so like such a young person's thing to say and i felt i felt so judgmental (laughs) because i was like if i heard a, a young kid say that i would think he was such an idiot but then you think like when i was that age that's totally something i would have said I don't want to buy, sell anything processed. I don't want to process anything bought or sold. Yeah. I uh, can't figure it out tonight, so I'm just going to hang with your daughter. It's so sweet. Yeah. Uh, that's what's so, that's what I really love about this movie, um, is the falling in love s- stuff. Like, it really feel like he captures that, Cameron Crowe captures that really well in this movie, falling in love for the first time. Um, and then even the first breakup and how devastating. That is absolutely the first time you're broken up with, or you break up with somebody. Yeah, how you're just a mess. You can't get out of bed. It, it's interesting rewatching it um, because 
there's so many like just little things, little subtle things that tells us that they're falling in love. I mean, we know they are because mm-hmm. it's a, it's a movie and it's a romantic comedy, you know, but I think it, it handles it in just like those little moments, like little looks, uh, and, and it just feels right and it, and it feels real. One of my favorite moments is, um, when she goes, <laughs> After she's broken up with him and she's just found out that her father has been lying to her and has been stealing all of this money, she goes to the kickboxing ring mm-hmm. and she walks in and he gets hit in the face. Yeah, his nose gets broken. Yeah, his yeah. nose gets broken because um, she walks in just as he's supposed to be blocking and he, she has, he hasn't heard from her in weeks and he's been calling her and standing outside with a boom box raised above his head. Yeah. Um, and then they have that moment where she's like, please forgive me. Please, I need you. And he goes – do you need me or do you just need someone? And then he takes a beat and he's like, you know what? I don't care. <laughs> it's so perfect. And it's so true. Like when you're that in love, especially when you're that in love, when you're young and you're just so naive. It, and I don't want to say naive because that sounds condescending, but you know, your heart is so full. Um, just taking somebody back just because they're there yeah. makes all the sense in the world when you're that young. Well, I think that's what it captures so well, uh, and why these two leads are so appealing because they do have like that kind of naive hope, innocence, innocence yeah. and, and hopefulness, you know, Yeah. and they've got their whole lives, uh, in front of them and they're, you know, they're scared, but then also like optimistic about it, you know, and it, it captures that feeling really well. Totally agreed. Now I have to say though, I think you're right. That Almost Famous is a better movie than this movie. <laughs> and I think High Fidelity is a better movie than this movie. And I think of the movies that we've talked about so far, this will be the first one to leave <gasps> Craigslist. What? This is this is a better movie than La Dolce Vita. <laughs> for sure. So you think there's room for it? Well, yeah, because it means so much to you. It does. But I think watching it again, uh, it – actually amazed me how much the Jim court stealing from old people was a part of this yeah, movie. It's a big part of it's it. It's a big part of it. And for a while you kind of lose Lloyd in yeah. the movie. You yeah. Know? And I think it's cause Lloyd is such a memorable character and Cusack's performance is so great that it really sticks out in my mind. But there's about a half hour toward the end of this movie where Diane kind of becomes more of the focal point. Right. And, you know, and she goes to the FBI, talks to Philip Baker Hall. Yeah. Who's great. <laughs> yes. Who's always great. Yeah. Uh, and it, it really made me wonder of like, why, why did he want to tell that story as yeah. well? Yeah. You know, um, not, not that it's bad, but it does seem like it's part of another movie in, entirely. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's the problem that I have, have always had with this movie is that, it feels it like goes in and out of what I'm supposed to be following. Like it feels like it goes down different paths and it's very distracting because then you have to reconnect to the love story after you've not seen it for a while. And I just wonder why that was something that really interested Cameron Crowe. Well, if it's called say anything, then it's her story, right? Yeah. And I didn't know that until you just said that it, it didn't connect that. And so maybe it's about, more, more. It's about she couldn't have really given herself to a new man without letting go of her father. Hmm. And the things that he was saying to her were lies, right? Joe lies. Joe lies. <laughs> Lily, Lily Taylor warns us earlier in the movie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but the Joes of our lives. <laughs> Is his name Joe too? No. Oh, 
uh, Jim, though, it's a three-letter J name. Well, I like how you're connecting it, so <laughs> it works for me. Yeah, it's um, it's a sweet movie. It's not – it doesn't stick with me hmm. in the way that Almost Famous does or High Fidelity does. When I saw it with all my theater friends that first time, that scene at the end where he's in prison and John Mahoney says, I'm incarcerated, Lloyd. <laughs> we all laughed really hard at I'm incarcerated, <laughs> Lloyd, because it was just such like a clunky yeah. line. Uh, but it's certainly not supposed to be funny. No, no. I think at that point. Uh, he's such a jerk. Her father is such a jerk in this movie. Yeah. That's the other thing, too. It's like really hard mm-hmm. to feel sorry for him. Watching the uh, commentary in it, they mention that uh, they keep changing intentionally Mahoney's hair dye throughout it. Like his hair is different colors. So oh, like it's a, it's interesting. A, another way to kind of indicate that he's a phony. Oh, so interesting. Because he certainly would have been gray already at, at that point in his life. But Jim Cord has dyed hair, you know? Yeah. It's it's actually a, such a sweet message, though. It really is Cameron Crowe taking the side of young love and being like, hey, it's okay to to risk to risk your heart, uh, you know, yeah, like, like go for it. <laughs> I have mixed feelings about Cameron Crowe and even like this movie and almost famous, you know, have things about them that annoy me. Yeah. And, and James L. Brooks produced this movie and was oh, kind of a mentor to Cameron Crowe. And I feel very similar about James yeah, L. Brooks too. too. He's so up and down for me. Broadcast News is a movie I love, but also has parts that annoy me. And I was trying to figure out what those two directors have in common. And it feels like they're both writer directors who kind of compile like moments that they've observed, like mm-hmm. human moments. Um, and then they put all those moments in a movie. Yeah. <laughs> and without regard for necessarily whether these moments go together or not. You right. Know? So they came from something real. They came from something human and observed. But then it, also in James O. Brooks and Cameron Crowe movies, people always give speeches. There's a lot of speeches. Yeah, yeah. And people just sit around and let this person give this big speech. Right. And it's great writing and it's really entertaining writing and it's funny writing but it, it's not that real yeah yeah so you know I, I, think- I mean i think you said it they're observer of moments observers <laughs> they're <laughs> observationists yeah <laughs> they observe moments very well but they don't necessarily tell a full story in the same way i don't think yeah um because I can name two scenes in Almost Famous that are maybe my favorite scenes of any movie, which is the bus singing mm-hmm. scene. Tiny Dancer. And then the scene – and I want, we're going to talk about it now because we don't get a chance to talk about Almost Famous and I love that movie. Okay. Uh, and the scene where um, Kate Hudson and what's-his-face, Patrick Fugit, Fugit mm-hmm. uh, where he tells her that Billy Crudup's been cheating on her. Yeah. And – she cries and then she looks up and she smiles and it's just like the best moment in a film where she's totally acknowledging that she's an idiot, but she can't help being in love. And it's so moving and so real. Again, Cameron Crowe is, is a hopeful guy. He's an optimistic guy and, and there's a sweetness to all his movies. Nostalgia. Yeah. Also is a big part of his films, it seems like. But he's really hit a slump with Elizabeth Town. Which I never saw because I heard it was so bad. We bought a zoo. I did see that and it was really bad. Uh, Hawaii. 
didn't see it because I heard it. Or was Aloha? Good. What was it called? Oh yeah, it was Aloha. Hawaii is the um, George Clooney movie, right? That's The Descendants. Oh, <laughs> that takes place in Hawaii. <laughs> but but uh, this movie's. Called- oh, I think Hawaii is a movie from the '60s. It was like a three-hour. It was like a epic. James Michener novel. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think you're right. But yeah, just because a movie is set somewhere, it's not called that. Well, I think The Descendants should have been called Hawaii. <laughs> I bet it would have been if there hadn't already been a movie named Hawaii. Interesting enough, this movie and his follow-up were both set in Seattle. Say Anything and Singles. Oh, yeah. Both Seattle I haven't seen movies. Singles in a long time. Is that with um, What's-Her-Face, you know, the lady from the TV show yep. who's married to Kevin Bacon? Kira Sedgwick? Yep. Yep. She's in it. And Bridget Fonda right. is in it as well. Who's the guy in it? Matt Dillon? Yeah. And Campbell Scott? I love Campbell Scott. I love Campbell Scott too. Why didn't Campbell Scott become a bigger movie star? But he's in it. I'm not to say that he doesn't work. He works all the time. He works. But he's wonderful. Like, I feel like he should have won some Academy Awards. He's not point. the level of his dad. Well, I think he's better <laughs> and cuter. You don't, you don't think George C. Scott was super hot? <laughs> nope. <laughs> We will have a chance to talk about some George C. Scott movies. Oh, great. Is Patton on your thing? Patton? Is that the name of it? No. No, I do not care for Patton. Oh, good. I don't want to watch that ever. (laughs) Uh, Let's go through some odds and ends here. All right. (laughs) Carla wants to wrap this up. (laughs) (laughs) I got stuff to do today. It's 10-11. Okay. You can do a couple odds and ends. Go ahead, baby. Uh. Oh, at the graduation ceremony, just huge video cameras. Everybody yeah. has a video camera and they're humongous. So that's another uh, very 1989 They thing. are. That's so funny. We had one of those giant ones. Uh, he's wearing Clash and Fishbone t-shirts throughout the whole movie. Those are bands that I loved at the time. Were you a Clash guy? The Clash? Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, the clash is not really like, I was not, it's a, not punk. It's not punk. I mean, oh, it kind of, it, it kind of is. It was like first generation punk, but, uh, they're, they're a little poppier, you know, they've actually got, you know, tunes and melodies and guitar riffs and, oh, and stuff okay. like that. Uh, I love, love when she gets in the car and she's like, what is this? Bavarian Dutch style pretzels. <laughs> <laughs> and then he turns on the radio and it's way super loud and he turns it off right away. Again, good moments. Those are like small the, moments. Those are the little, work. little tiny observed moments. Uh, oh, and I love when he uh, goes to the old folks home and he shows them Cocoon. Oh, I love that. He's like, and now Lloyd presents Cocoon. And he turns it on and it's just the FBI warning. <laughs> In the background for like a minute. And it just reminds you of just watching a, a VHS tape. And they all started with that FBI warning. Yeah. And it was on a small TV and everything. And I just thought, uh, I would not have wanted to be an old person in the 80s. Like things weren't good enough yet. Yeah. Like old people now have it made with iPhones and iPads. Like they don't have to sit around like in that shitty little rec room and, you know, like where you can't even see around somebody's head. (laughs) I did think that. I was like, oh, it would have sucked to have been old in the 80s. You heard it here first, old people. (laughs) Just look at your iPhone, suck it up and enjoy it. Seriously though, when I be, when I when I reach my elderly years, I'm going to be real excited to be watching <laughs> movies on my watch. <laughs> uh, we never dress up for Halloween. 
by the way. <gasps> Are we going to this year? Can no, I, I can I be Lloyd? <laughs> well, there was one year oh, that we talked it. about doing costumes and I was like, oh, man, I think I think I want to be Lloyd Dobler. And of course I looked it up and a million people go every year as Lloyd Dobler well, for yeah, Halloween. Yeah, but that's okay. Yeah. Who cares? But you doing it, that's a great idea. Yeah, I'd you be a should good be Lloyd. Lloyd. You know who else I think you'd be good as? Um, John Travolta in Pulp Fiction. <laughs> and I could be Uma. Vincent Vega? Or. And Mia Wallace? But you'd have to shave. Or. Um, I could do that. I've always thought you'd be a good Snape. <laughs> What's the costume for Severus Snape? Like black. I don't know. <laughs> Is it like a suit? It's kind of a suit. It's a short. Oh, it's a long tailed suit. How do you. I don't know. Well, don't they all wear robes? Doesn't he Isn't wear a robe or only the students do? No, I think you're right. But I think at school he wears a robe. But yeah. then other okay. times it's just like. I just need to get a Slytherin patch. Yeah. To, and a, a wig. To, to quit snakes. <laughs> get a Slytherin patch. Yeah. If you're trying to kick the snake habit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it, the key to getting a good Lloyd Dobler costume is uh, getting a, a good boombox. Yeah. Know? And where do you find those these I days? I know. Well, I think like five or six years ago, we could have still gotten one in a thrift store. Absolutely. But I don't know anymore. Yeah. Where is all that stuff? It's in a landfill somewhere, you guys. Think before you purchase items. The idea in the 80s was to get to the biggest possible stereo. Like the status yeah. was how huge your boombox was. What's that movie? Oh, Ruthless People. Uh-huh. And he sells stereos. Yeah. And you like, I watched that recently and it's still really funny, by the way. That's a very funny movie. It's a really funny movie. Is that on your top 100? No. Oh, damn. It would totally be on mine. It's, it's legitimately holds up as funny, even though the clothes are crazy. Anyways, he works in a stereo shop and the stereos are as big as a wall. Like they are gigantic. <laughs> uh, Bill Pullman never been better than in uh, Ruthless oh, People. Oh, yeah. He's so good in that. Well, Carla, I think it's time for a little khaki theater. Okay. And I think there's... What scene do you want to do? Well, I think there's nothing to do but uh, but the first phone call between Lloyd and Diane. Great. Um, when he asks her out? Yeah. Okay. Lights up. Hello? Hello. Can I speak to Diane, please? Hi. This is, this is Diane. Oh, I just... I called you. Oh, you called me. <laughs> I was returning your call. Oh, right. <laughs> right. Yeah. I'm in the, I'm in the bathroom now. Oh, yeah. Uh, actually, I'm not. No. I'm I, thinking I, of an earlier phone call. Sorry. I thought you were because I heard Sorry. an echo. Sorry. I'm thinking of an earlier phone call. It must just be your house. It uh, doesn't so have any furniture in it. So it's uh, Lloyd Dobler. Hi, Lloyd. And uh, I don't know if you remember me. I do. Yeah. Uh, you, we sat together at the mall. Yes. Yes. I didn't remember, but you mentioned it when you called and my dad took notes. Oh, right, right. Well, my dad takes notes for me. He takes notes for yeah, and just to, so in case I forget anything. Well, uh, he seems like a very cool guy. Yeah, he's pretty great. Um, I'm not saying that I would marry him if I wasn't his daughter, but I might. I didn't ask about that. That's that's strange. What kind of relationship do you guys have? We're very close. Could you say anything to each other? We can say anything to each other except for the deepest secrets. We don't say those. Cool. Well, this phone call is getting a little deeper than uh, than I intended it to, but uh, uh-huh. just wanted to see if you uh, want to go to this party tonight. Oh, you know, oh gosh, mm, I'm busy. I have to clean out underneath my mattress. That's, that sounds like a lame excuse. 
oh no, no, I'm super busy. I've, I have to, I, I buried some stuff in the backyard that I have to dig up. Also like a time capsule kind of thing. Mm, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, usually you'd let those go for like 20 years. So, you Good know, point. So- I like to climb trees okay. and there's a new tree down the street that I haven't climbed yet. Okay. So you're like monumentally busy. I'm so, yeah. Well, not monumentally. Like I'm not a statue. <laughs> Uh, I mean, you should go to this party tonight because this guy, you know, dresses up like a rooster. He's 22. And, uh, why would we go to a 22 year old's party? I don't know because it's cool and mature. Oh, okay. Yeah. My dad didn't write that down for me. So I didn't know that to be true. Uh, I've heard you're going to be studying in England and, uh, living in England for a while and give you many tips. Oh yeah. English tips. English tips. Is that like a, a type of food? Um, Yeah. Yeah, it's like a roast with uh, with tips. Oh, okay. Yeah, I can I can, I can make you some English tips. Well, Lloyd, I'll bring I'll bring them to the party tonight. I didn't say I could go yet, Lloyd. Oh, come on! You you have to go to this party. Okay, tonight. I'll go. I'll go. You will. I'll go. You will. I'll I'll go. Are you I'll f- go. Are you fucking with me? I'll, I'll go. I'll go. Okay, you know who I am, right? I'm gonna look you up in the yearbook right after we get off the phone. Okay, great. I'll do the same with you. I hope you're handsome. I am. I'm John Cusack. Okay, see you at eight. Okay, see you at eight. I didn't say. <laughs> see. <Scene. laughs> well, we got some of the some of the original dialogue in there. Who That's knew tough. that that Diane liked to climb trees so much? No, that we got some deeper stuff in there, which I think you know gives her character more complexity. Mm-hmm. So. Cameron, if you're looking to do an update or a rewrite, you know, just listen to that. Yeah, and Cameron, if you were listening to this, we apologize Re- about <laughs> making fun of your last four movies. <laughs> yeah, to Cameron, don't don't listen to this. Jerry Maguire's still like tops. Yeah, and and, and almost in, famous. In fairness, I did not watch Roadies or Aloha or uh We Bought a Zoo. I did watch Elizabethtown. That was the last thing that I, that I saw. Um, so maybe, you know, maybe I should put my money where my mouth is and, uh, actually watch these things mm-hmm. and maybe I'll be pleasantly surprised. Or maybe you'll waste your time. <laughs> this concludes, uh, episode seven. But wait, what? I, you didn't say for me to grade it. Oh, Carla. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Uh, Carla, what kind of letter grade are you going to give, uh, say anything? B minus. A B minus. For... But you should have made this spot for almost famous. <laughs> so the minus is for me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you're angrier at me than you are at Cameron Crowe. Yeah, totally. Okay. Uh, coming up next week, got another movie from the eighties. Oh yeah. Nineteen eighty-two, as a matter of fact. It it's um the rose. <laughs> it's not the rose. Uh, trying to get a Bette Midler film in here. There's no Midler anywhere. I think that was 1980 anyways. Yeah, that was 80. 1982, The French Lieutenant's Woman. <laughs> <laughs> it's not The French Lieutenant's Woman. I told you there's no Meryl Streep on the list. Oh. No Streep, no Midler. This is a horror movie, Carla. <gasps> oh, The Thing. Oh, it's not The Thing, but that's a scary-ass movie the from alien. It's not The Alien or Alien or Aliens. It's- this movie was directed okay. by Toby Hooper, though many people think it was actually directed by a gentleman named Steven Spielberg. Close Encounters. <laughs> That's not a horror movie. I don't know. What is it? This movie features uh, a clown doll. Oh, uh, Poltergeist. It's Poltergeist. I didn't ever think it was directed by Steven Spielberg. Well, 
We'll we'll get into that next week. Poltergeist. This is going to be a fun one. Yeah. I haven't seen this in years. You Maybe s- I've never seen it. <laughs> I saw the one uh, where they oh are in a an apartment in New York, and what's her face from Twin Peaks is in it. Oh, is that a Poltergeist sequel? Yeah. Then okay. I saw Poltergeist three. Okay. No, no. This is the original Poltergeist. Uh, Craig T. Nelson. I did see this. Joe Beth Williams. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. This is scary. I can't wait to watch this with you. Okay. (laughs) Great. So dim the lights, open up a bottle of wine. Is that that? (laughs) Well, they're back as the sequel. They're here. They're here. And next week we'll be here. Is this with the, the, um, the woman, the little woman? Yes. I love her. She's great. Okay. Yeah. I don't uh, remember her name, but she's a uh, she's a shorter woman. She's a psychic. Yeah. She's awesome. She's so good. Okay. Yeah. We got to go. I have to go to class. Okay. Have a great class, Carla. Thanks, Craig. And have a great week, listeners. We'll see you next week for Poltergeist. The list is an absolute good. The list is life. <laughs>